Hi, I'm Christina Davis, and welcome to the Crazy Nomad Podcast, where we talk about the real side of working and living as a digital nomad. On this podcast, you will hear real insights and stories from actual digital nomads sharing what life is really like abroad, how they got here, what they do, and also all the funny, absolutely crazy, difficult, and ridiculous stories of those living outside of the normal nine to five. So get ready to be inspired, laugh with us, and learn from all of these crazy nomads. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Crazy Nomad Podcast. This week, I have a super special guest on, someone from Bali as well, with a completely different story. Um, This person has created their own jewelry line in Bali, which I find so incredible. So we have Camilla on today. She's going to tell us more about her story, about her jewelry line, how it started, the inspiration behind it and everything. So I'm super excited to have you on, Camilla. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Exciting to be here. Yeah, of course. So I'll just dive straight in. Let everyone know, like, what is your story of how you got into where you are now, you know, living partly in Bali and creating this jewelry line? Where did it all begin? So give us a little bit of information about it all. Yeah, no, there's a bit of a story. So uh, I've got good at telling it quick. (laughs) Um, So uh, as with a lot of people, I did the corporate thing, uh, very much did the kind of like go to university, get my degree, um, then went into advertising um, because I've kind of always loved the creative industries in the account management side. So a bit corporate, a bit creative. Um, Loved London life, but advertising agency life is tough. Um, anyone who kind of works with agencies and clients will will know that. Um, and London life was also just pretty tough. Um, I loved it. I was in my 20s. But I think I I worked super hard. I played super hard. Um, and actually, I don't think I realized how stressed I was. Um, I just thought everyone was kind of tired and stressed, um, which they are. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I actually uh, ended up picking up um, glandular fever, which I think you probably call mono. Yep. Um, yeah so I got um, mono when I was like 25-ish and was like oh, I'm still invincible and went to Ibiza took a promotion did a tv job in Malaysia like did Glastonbury festival and then my body was like okay we're stopping now mm-hmm. um, so very dramatically collapsed at work um, back in like 2018 um and yeah I mean as much as that was all very dramatic like was a real pivot I hate that word pivot it's such a pandemic <laughs> word but, you know, I had a little pivot around then um and yeah basically had chronic fatigue um which a lot of people are now understanding as long COVID um basically the, the virus kind of like really fatigued me um to spend a year recovering at my parents' farm in Scotland um, and just had a big old recalibration. Um, Ended up in Australia for three months because I was so cold. (laughs) Um, And I just, the sun was amazing for my health. My health just got a ton better. Um, Popped over to Bali for a two week holiday and then ended up, this classic Bali story, ended up living there a year unplanned. Yep. Still never been back to Australia, moved on hand luggage, um, was living off uh, redundancy pay, which I think you might call a severance package. Um, and just found like the Bali vibe, just, you know, being outside, so much healing, like an amazing place to kind of recover and, and recalibrate. 
Um, so that was 2018, 2019. Mm -hmm. um, and just whilst I was out there, yeah, just um, very organically started. I actually initially started a travel blog because who doesn't do that when in Bali? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's just like a rite of passage. Um, started doing that just to kind of like upskill my stuff, myself in like Canva and things. And then as you can see, I love gold jewelry. I'm absolutely dripping in it. Um, <laughs> and um, there's just the artisans in Bali are just incredible. Um, so I was just picking out stuff for a collection for myself and was getting loads of compliments on it and thought, maybe I'll bring a whole load back for Christmas gifts and actually just as a total organic exercise uh built my brand Chantique literally boshed out the logo on, logo on Canva um took all the photos on, on my iPhone with my friend and um yeah it just went well and just kind of the rest is history with with that side of things that's such an awesome story I think it's it's really incredible when people have like these unplanned moments and these unplanned things that just happen because you know life put it in front of them or you know you have an idea and it kind of spins into a business and I know that a lot of people hold themselves back from kind of taking the leap because they have this big idea and they build up something so big in their head and then it ends up scaring them so much to do it where I find that so many people who kind of just let the wind blow with what they want and mm -hmm. see what happens tend to build these crazy things and I think it's such a interesting perspective on it all. So I'd love to know, like, what was it like going from advertising and the corporate world to now trying to figure out how to build a jewelry brand, you know, not having experience building one in the past, like kind of throwing yourself right into it. What was that all like? Um, I think kind of like what you touched upon. I, I didn't really go into it thinking, it was just really organic like I wasn't I think I was lucky you know I wasn't trying to I didn't do anything crazy and like quit my job and try and live off jewelry sales or anything like that it was just honestly I guess more of like a hobby or what people always say is like a side hustle it was more I was just really enjoying a creative outlet and I'd never thought of myself as creative even though I've been in the creative industries um I've always been on like the um the corporate kind of client facing more kind of management side of things um and I'm quite a perfectionist um and I quite like doing things to a really high standard so coming from like advertising agencies where we do like global tv ads for like big hair care brands or something I'm used to having like very high standards but actually what's been great with my brand is I'm actually not that precious with it um just because I don't have tons of time to pour into it so um a bit of a mantra I have which a friend in Bali told me was like done is better than perfect so when I first launched like I didn't love my packaging but that's the only budget I had at the time mm -hmm. um and the color wasn't quite right but it was like 80% right so I think that's kind of the approach that I've had to take is just done is better than perfect just I think you can tinker and tinker and tinker with an idea for ages and actually just just get it out there and I'm you know I actually started with the travel blog first and that was a real passion of mine but I couldn't work out how to monetize it so the jewelry thing kind of organically came in and I just took all the learnings I'd done from having a small travel business and applied it to um the jewelry stuff I love that phrase too like done is better than perfect because that is so true. Like you're nothing's ever any perfect, especially when you first start things. Even when I like first started my own business or doing whatever, like the 
it's still not perfect, you know, it, and it probably never will be that perfection of what we really desire. It's going to be as close as we can, but the results you put out over time, you tend to love or grow with and evolve. And that kind of is what builds, you know, these beautiful brands or businesses behind you without having to hold yourself back, trying to like make sure each little piece is perfect mm-hmm. and laid out the way you need it to be. Cause especially in the beginning, like you said, like the budget or the, you know, learning things and all that stuff, it takes time to kind of grasp it, but to learn on the fly allows you to build as you're learning instead of trying to like build up all this knowledge and then years on the line, jump in and decide you want to do it. Yeah. And I think comparison is an interesting one as well, because there's a ton of jewelry brands out there. So you can learn by comparing, be like, oh, I love the way that they do those product shots or uh, I like the way they put together that collection or that email marketing is really lovely. That's great for like, comparison in terms of learning and growing but what I don't find comparison helpful is I'm constantly comparing myself and being like well why isn't my email marketing as good as that or like why isn't my content as good as that and actually I have to like really sit back and realize like it's just me the only other imp- I have um my lovely mum is um like head of dispatch um <laughs> and then um I have a, a a lovely friend Paulina who helps me with social content now but you do have to be realistic at the start of a business about like what you as one individual can actually achieve. Mm-hmm. Definitely. There's so many hats that you wear because in the beginning you wear basically all of them. So from the moment of kind of starting your like jewelry line, what was the idea behind the name with it? You know, what was the branding? How did that all come about? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I totally by chance found myself in Bali and Bali was a really restorative, beautiful place for me. And I just have built up, was building, like I said, a collection for myself of jewellery um, that was all kind of inspired by Bali and what I was wearing day to day anyway. Um, and then a word that you'll hear quite a lot in, in Bali is a uh, chantique. Um, it means like beautiful, um, fem- it's specifically for female, like beautiful female thing um and someone at my villa was always calling me Chantique Camilla and I was like oh interesting um it's actually spelled C-A-N-T-I-K uh but the Indonesians pronounce it uh well the Indonesian correct way is Chantique and I just visually really liked the word um and I wanted to put my stamp on it as well because it's sort of by me and my story is kind of intrinsic to it as well so um it's very much all uh, it's all gold and it's it's very much um kind of great for me it's just a whole collection of stuff that I would wear (laughs) um so like anything I design and have is is something I'd wear and um we've actually uh to go and say pivot again um I've pivoted again um we're actually I don't know if you know this actually launching this weekend um we're moving into island life accessories so awesome yeah so it's again it's just kind of everything that's piquing my interest so I started um designing and making leather goods for myself and making linen shirts and a few friends were commenting on it again a bit like the jewelry um like kind of being like oh I want to emulate that look and um yeah now we're doing that a bit more so Chantique's moving in a, an island life accessories direction so it's an ever it's an ever shifting beast kind of yeah. thing that's so awesome though so what kind of pieces are going to be in the new collection so um the idea is um we're calling it we're going in the direction of um island life essentials so mm-hmm. you kind of know french girl chic is very much like put on your striped top your red lipstick and 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 go uh we're kind of thinking of it as like an, an island life chic so um 
throw on our sort of beautiful handmade linen shirt, put on your gold hoops, grab your leather and rattan bag. We're also going to do some sunglasses as well and go. So it's just a very easy kind of like beach capsule collection look. Very accessible. That's awesome. I think one thing people, a lot of people don't realize, and I honestly didn't know until I was living in Bali, is the amount of or the accessibility to actually designing and making your own clothes and jewelry mm. and shoes. And so I found it really interesting when I got there. Like I had some friends like, oh yeah, I'm making a pair of shoes. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, who, how do you just mm. make a pair of shoes or make some clothes? I've made some clothes when I was in Bali. And so how did you kind of go about finding like people to make all the stuff? Did you kind of just start making stuff on your own and then found pieces really liked? Like how was that whole process in going into, you know, a new country and trying to find the manufacturing and all that behind it? Um, it's probably not very helpful advice, but again, it's all just really organic and trial and error. So I think the testing mechanism has really been me. Like I, I can't, uh, I, I don't really want to, but I also can't remove myself from the brand. So for example, the jewelry, I'll wear and wear and wear it for myself. So for example, this bangle, mm-hmm. I wear and I see if I get compliments. And then if I get compliments, I'll stock it. And this gotcha. like new chain that we're launching, um, a big thing about is the quality of the gold plating. So, you know, recently we're um, doing a slightly different method to make sure the gold stays on longer. So I'll wear and wear and wear it to make sure it's right. So. I've gone through various different suppliers um, just by trial and error. Um, and for example, our shirts, um, I finally found a great tailor and she's not the cheapest, but her English is fabulous. She's super reliable. I could be making a much bigger markup if I went somewhere else or even put it through a factory, but she is just, she's got, she's got the eye and she's got the quality control. Um so I think if you are interested in doing any of this, I would recommend it does help being on the ground and it does help thoroughly sampling stuff. You know, I've all the shirts that we're stocking, I've washed and washed and washed and worn myself. So I know the quality's there. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of testing out stuff first. I feel like, and I so that's probably a fun part about it as well as, you know, being able to create these samples and test it all out and live in Bali while doing it because obviously <laughs> Bali is a lovely place to be. So how long now do you spend in Bali? Like what's your kind of basis like in terms of where you are about in the world? Um, so I've been kind of figuring it out for a while. So before um, I always see myself as going back to Bali at least once a year for the business, which sounds incredibly glamorous, but it's a must. <laughs> <laughs> I must go. It's a shopping yep. um, And also it's just the most like restoring, recalibrating, place for me um so before pandemic I was trying to work out what does a kind of 50% Bali 50% Europe life life look like um and then the pandemic got in the way um and then I I went back out last year and spent a year in Bali and um that kind of was amazing to really um get my teeth back into this Chantique business again because it was hard to carry on creating and stocking in the pandemic. We managed it. We launched, you know, a ring collection and quite a few new products, but it's all done over WhatsApp and with a lot of trust. Um, so good. luckily, I had, yeah, luckily I had those in-person relationships already before the pandemic, but my business kept going thanks, thanks to WhatsApp and the pandemic. Um, and, you know, luckily the, the good supplies I did have on board. Um, 
But now life looks like I've just come back to Europe after a, another unplanned year in Bali. Um, not that I'm sad about that. It was, yeah. it was a great year. <laughs> um, I did miss six weddings, Christmas with my family. Uh, you know, one of my best friends was pregnant and had a baby by the time I got back. So life is happening over here. Um, so I'm trying to find a, a, a base in Europe, which I can maybe spend the summer months here. I, I really struggle with winter. I am the same way I am the same way I've been like avoiding winter for the past I think it's like two years now and it got to the point now actually where same as like you I missed a bunch of things at home I've missed friends weddings my best friend had a baby as well like obviously Christmas with my family and stuff and as much as I hate winter I've come to really appreciate and grow to love like the holiday vibes and I feel Mm -hmm. like that's one thing you definitely do miss in countries where they don't really celebrate Christmas. You know, Bali can put on beautiful trees and lights and whatnot around Chengdu or where or not, but the vibe really is completely different. So yeah. I love to hear like what you, what drew you to keep wanting to live like the digital nomad lifestyle and what things do you think people don't consider when they actually go and, you know, live in these countries for a long term or move away from nine to five or home that you didn't think about before you kind of did it. But then once you were in it, you're like, you know, these are not the hardships by any means or different aspects that I didn't expect to happen or expect to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, again, I'm probably the most unhelpful guest. <laughs> it's no, also happened to me. So yep. it was a bit, like I didn't, you know, I, I was really like, I've always pushed myself really hard. I was the youngest account director in my agency by far. Like mm-hmm. I thrived in that corporate structure, but I couldn't have kept going at the rate that I was going. So this kind of whole, um, I honestly need to think of another word apart from pivot, change <laughs> um, yeah. uh, to this like digital nomad life was like honestly not planned. Um, but actually I would say it was very health related and driven. Mm-hmm. Um, so to kind of answer your question, um, I work this digital nomad, more freelancey life because I need to manage my energy and um, I just like having freedom. Um, I'd say the hardships are I also um, I have a freelance gig. I, I've gone back into the advertising industry, um, but I've kind of got the best bit. So I work with a load of people I used to work with, but we're all freelanced, which means we're remunerated a lot better um but at the same time it means we have no job stability so Mm um I just don't know how long this gig's gonna last it's it's lasted 18 months so far and I love it and I hope it continues but um there's just no job security um and in the freelance digital nomad life for example you don't get the benefits that you might from a corporate job so maternity packages pensions or things like that so you do have to be a bit of a grown up, I'd say, you know, I have my own investments. I do um, outside of um, what I earn. Um, I have my own like pension plan that I've set up. So I'd say like it can look very glamorous being a digital nomad, but you also have to wear like your big boy pants or big girl pants and like actually do, uh, you know, you have to take care of the corporate stuff that perhaps a bigger company would do for you. Yeah, I definitely think it's a great thing to mention and speak about because a lot of people are afraid of leaving their jobs for that aspect. And it is, it's not that you don't have it at your fingertips to do, you just have to do it yourself. You know, you have to 
put the money away for yourself and your 401k or pension or whatever it is. And you have to figure out your healthcare and, you know, retirement and maternal leave and things like that. And different benefits you might not have from a company you kind of have to outweigh with the lifestyle you want to have. And I was actually, I had an interview last week with one of the guests. He's the CEO of Safety Wings, the travel insurance. And um, they're actually, yeah, they're actually creating a, um, what do they call it? Basically an online country. So people who can, it can help with people who live in any country in the world, but it really helps people who have passports that don't have the same rights to travel to different places or live in different countries because of their passport. So they're creating this, uh, I don't, don't ask me how it works. I asked a lot of questions, but I still don't understand the dynamics of it. <laughs> Basically, but they're creating like a country online where you'll have like this online passport from this digital country that'll allow you to travel. But then through there, you can actually get, like once you have their insurance and stuff, you can actually get maternally pension benefit, oh, wow. all the benefits like a digital nomad doesn't have. And I found it so interesting because a, I I'm don't really, yeah, I was like, a, I don't really understand how it works, but I think it's amazing. And I hope they actually, you know, comes full to fruition with all of it. But B, I think does bring to light the questions that some people have of like, you know, not having that stability. And obviously with the pandemic, a lot of companies did go remote. So that allows people to kind of you know, still have some of those benefits and work online. But I feel like with that aspect of it, you don't have the same freedom you do as like a freelancer or yeah. entrepreneur to create the days that you want and go to the beach when you want during the day because it's nice outside. Yeah, well, or, being back in London now um, and staying with my brother at the moment and like people are very much going back into the offices now, um, which is which is great because I actually genuinely think they want to. Um, but as you know, but... I think the pandemic has been amazing for that. The company I worked for, I freelanced for, was already fully remote. So everyone's like, oh, are you back in the office now? And I'm like, well, we actually never had an office. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's worked well because, um, fair play to my boss, I did six months of this job in the UK um, and then said I need to need, really kind of need to go back to Bali now. Um, and the client was a bit hesitant about it. Um, but actually, he, he really kind of uh, fought my corner and said, let's give her a month and onus on her to make it work so look I was working I started my day at 5 p.m and I ended at 1 a.m because I was doing European hours um I was lucky that was three days a week I don't think I could have done it five um but actually like my energy levels are better in the evening I Mm -hmm. I struggle in the mornings you know I don't think work gets the best out of me 9 a.m till 11 30 a.m I think I'm slowly waking up um so yeah that's like another nomad thing to to work out as well because I manage people I have to be online when people are online yeah there is definitely a pro and con to that as well because like if you are working in the evenings and stuff I had friends um who all did who did the same all in Bali as well you get to kind of enjoy the day in the beach and go to lunch and do it after your friends and then kind of wind down at night and work and you know, have the best of both worlds. Obviously three days is way better than five. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm sure by five, by Friday at, you know, 5 PM, you don't want to be starting your day to then be working at one. But I definitely think it is a good step for people who are kind of considering life is like, you know, what can I do? Can I do this remote? Can I do freelance? Because I think the freelance part, it is scary. I have freelance clients. 
um, of my own and it's wonderful, but it doesn't ever give you, like you said, the stability. Cause you know mm. that at any point they can end the contract, they can end the project. So there is no stability in that, but I do think it's a great way to kind of like get your foot in and feel out what yeah. this life is like, because it's definitely, it's a wonderful life, but it's, there are, you know, moments where you have to be quite independent or quite, you know, determined to make it work. Yeah. And I think that comes down to like, if somebody's thinking about doing this, um, I've, I've done a few podcasts recently and it does, it's interesting, like sitting and thinking about it because I don't really reflect upon it all. Like you ask me these questions is like, Oh, I have to think about this. Yeah. I think you just have to, um, such a Bali word, but like boundaries, like if you're going into mm-hmm. freelance, uh, you have to work out like what your non-negotiables are. So if I was going to be doing that job from Bali, uh, which I did, it was amazing. And it was great to get kind of European pay in Bali, but I had to also make it work for me and my energy levels. So, you know, my boss asked me to pick up some more days and I, and I just couldn't, like I wanted to, but I couldn't do any more than three days a week, really, unless I had to. And for example, I, I negotiated not to work Fridays. Um, so I just think, you know, I think it's okay to assert like what you want and what you need. And if you're a good employee, it's going to be way harder to find someone and train them up if you're good and reliable than, um, yeah. And I think they get the most out of me by me setting those boundaries as well. Yeah. And I also do think like when you're a happier employee, you are, you know, better at your job, you're more focused and motivated to actually get things done than when, if your personal life is kind of shifting down and draining you a bit, then it becomes work is, you know, going to drain you even more and you're not going to get, you know, that same Mm -hmm. level that you give them when you're having a great personal life. Cause that is a big aspect of it. Whether you love your job or not, you want to make sure outside of your job that you're actually living in a sense or like, you know, having the life you kind of really want to. That's what I'm trying to work out at the moment, because I guess probably in an unsustainable way, I was living almost two full days in Bali, which as someone who is recovering and still managing fatigue issues, is probably not great. So in the day, I could surf, take chanty meetings, do a photo shoot, meet up with friends, um, go to the spa, go on a beach walk, and then start my a full day of, of UK work. So I'm now back in the UK and I'm like, well, when do I have time to get my hair cut or go to the <laughs> bank? Or, I mean, you can't, you, you know, luckily I can find slots here and there, but actually I had created this life where almost in a bit of a dangerous way, I was achieving a lot in a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that there are definitely pluses and minuses to that. Cause I, going from having your day and doing all this stuff to then having your night at work and then trying to flip it around is so much harder. I'm very curious to see how my own personal life will go when I go back to Europe and stuff and have to kind of readjust to more daytime stuff because my clients are actually all American. So usually for me, when I work in Bali or now in Thailand, um, I have meetings anywhere from 6 a.m. in the morning until 11 a.m. in the morning and then anywhere from 8.30 at night until 2 in the morning. So like it's very... You know, it varies, but you have like you have to build you have to do what you do to want to build the life you have. You know what I mean? Like for me, it was, yeah. it's worth it enough to have a few nights where I'm really tired and waking up really early and maybe I'll take a midday nap or go relax by the pool or beach. I'm like, well, you know, this is life I wanted. And I think that's 
yeah yeah that's... you have to put in that rest don't you because I think that's hard when like everyone else is around me is like go 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 working in the day in Bali I actually had to like give myself permission or force myself to rest because I'm like you know this is my downtime now they're all going to stop and go to sunset and chill out from then and actually that's when you need to concentrate so yeah you, you do have to be like a bit of a grown-up with your like routine and your energy and everything because you're not being dictated to by the nine till five if you do this you'd have to take quite a lot of ownership of a lot of aspects yeah 100 percent. and I'd love to know from like some else perspective what was your favorite aspect of living in Bali and why do you choose to like live there you know for a year and another year you know what is your was your favorite part of <laughs> you know, living on that. Oh, I mean, oh, it's just <laughs> the lifestyle you can live. Um, I think, I think coming from honestly being so ill and doing everything myself in London, like really struggling to like even go and shop and buy groceries without having to get an Uber home to recover in Bali. Like, you can outsource everything in Bali. Yeah. So, you know, like, <laughs> I really, I never, and not in a deaverish way. Like I don't, cook for myself I don't do my laundry um I actually lived in a hotel the whole year last year because there were no tourists they were renting them out by the month um and you can just really like you can work so hard because you're outsourcing so much so I just had more hours in the day because I wasn't going grocery shopping I wasn't doing my laundry um you know I have I have an assistant as well out there like you know I you outsource so much so yeah, I just, I think Bali's incredible for that. And then look as well, I would, I would travel every weekend. So yeah, yeah, yeah it was, you can, you can get a lot out of life in Bali. Definitely. And I think that the island presents you with so much opportunity and presents you with a lot of cool people to meet and network with mm-hmm. from all around the world doing completely different things. And, you know, I've, you know, a lot of the guests on here from season one or even some of the guests on this season are from Bali and all completely different stories. And that's one of the things I love to share is like, everyone's doing these crazy, awesome, wild, different things to build a life or build a business and some things you've probably never heard of, or maybe you didn't think was even possible and you see people creating it and being surrounded by all those people, I think is such an amazing aspect of, you know, live on this beautiful island you're surrounded by digital nomads because coming to live in thailand like it's beautiful and the beaches love bali but the beaches in thailand definitely blow bali out the water yeah Yeah, just yeah probably caveat that i don't know what it is about beaches in bali they're like fine but they're not like yeah yeah, amazing but living in thailand and comparing the two like you just the digital nomadic community in Bali is just one of a kind. It really is. You can walk, you can walk anywhere and make friends with anyone and talk to anyone. And someone wants to have a chat with you when you're in, you know, the pool at the gym, or if you're just standing in line in the cafe and, you know, there is an energy I think that brings people to Bali. And I think that being having worked as digital nomad in different countries in Europe, I did last summer and then obviously Thailand now and Bali. Mm. I definitely think Bali has a special, a special energy about it. If you want to be a digital nomad and kind of build this life, it's a great place to kind of start that whole journey. That's that's interesting because I didn't, I guess I didn't go out setting out to be a digital nomad. So I, I haven't really had much of an experience from doing it elsewhere. Um, I guess I, I've seen myself as more of a remote worker than a digital nomad, but um, I would totally agree with you in terms of like 
coming from London, it being very cutthroat and from quite a push, push, push background, I find corporates, well, cities, that people are there to like tear you down or compare. Whereas in Bali, it was like, I've had, you know, people being like, oh, you like, you're on Shopify. Like, oh, I'm, I'm a coach. Like, you know, I've got a friend who's just like coded something in for me for free. Or like, you're like, hey, I do this podcast. Would you jump on? And like, everyone's very like, yes, people. Or, you know, would you would you model my shirts for me? Or do you have any advice on how to do paid on social? Or everyone's really collaborative and everyone helps each other out. And I found that, it found it a really supportive community for that as well. And that's what inspired me actually. I wasn't gonna stay in Bali because initially the only people I met were like, um, no disrespect to them, uh, but like influencers and party people. And yeah. that's cool, but I, that wasn't me. And then I met the kind of, um, the co-working crowd and I was like, oh you're all working super hard and have your own side hustles and I want a side hustle um so that's also probably how it came about a bit as well yeah I definitely think that there's a great aspect of Bali that's like collab versus I find cities to be compete so it's like you're competing with someone or someone's telling you something oh well I my job does this and one thing I always laugh about with you know, the nine to five life. Cause I was in corporate America. It happened to me all the time. I would be like, Oh, I just worked like a 70 hour week and you know, I'm burnt out. And one of my friends, I'm be like, I worked an 80 hour week. And I'm like, I'm not here to compete Whoa. for this. This you can win this title. Like I don't want to win the worst, most like hardest working, you know, kind of drained out title. But I feel like there is that sense of like compete oh, over sure. how hard you're working, how much you're making the things you can put out in front of you where, Bali, you're kind of in this spirit of like, let's work together. Oh, I have knowledge on this. Yeah, I'll share it with you. Yeah, I'll help you do that. And even with some of my friends, we sit down and we'd help each other with business things and just kind of co-create what we wanted or just help someone a little bit on the side with different things that they needed because just the kind of way to be instead of competing and being like, no, I can't help you do that because you know that's for me to know and you to find out later. Like it is a very awesome community to be a part of definitely. Yeah. And God, I was probably that person as well that was like, oh my God, I can't believe they took a lunch break. Because like, yeah. it's just that like awful culture of like, if you're not working harder, if you're not, if you're not tired, you're not doing it right. And, or, you know, if you're not exhausted, if you're not burning out, you're not doing it right. And like, how wrong is that? But like, weirdly it, in the West, particularly like you're rewarded for that. Like mm-hmm. you're rewarded and you're held in like higher esteem. Whereas this is something I spoke on another friend's podcast about actually is like, it can be seen as like less than because I don't necessarily like earn a crazy London wage but like actually I've got more than because I take a lunch break when I want and I I'm in charge of my schedule so like good for you with your big bonus but like I have a life (laughs) yeah and it is so true and that's one thing a lot of people in corporate get stuck in and I was stuck in for a long time the reason I didn't quit was because I was making really good money at a young age and I had this kind of ladder to success and in the back of my head from everyone being like, don't ever quit your job. We're so lucky to have it. You're so lucky to be in this industry. Um, I was working in like hospital sales and stuff. And so that kind of played in my head of being like, well, yeah, like, I don't want to like, I want to leave this. Like I have all that life. I have that, you know, that picture of what you think we need, but at the end of the day, like it's an outline, but there's nothing really inside of it because your life is kind of suffering. I wasn't able to take more than five days in a row of vacation because they needed me at the hospital. Yeah. And one time I finally convinced my boss to let me take two weeks vacation. And I was 
like talked to by the owners of the company being like, are you sure you want to do this? Doesn't really look good on like on you for taking that much oh, vacation okay. and that much in a row. Cause we worked in the hospital and the operating room every day. And so it was like, wow. it is that hustle, hustle, hustle. Like, Oh, you've been taking a vacation this year. Like, that's great. Like they, they really want to work hard. And it's like, at the end of the day, you know, 40 years on the road, if I do this every single day, I'm going to look back and be like, wow, what a life did I live? Or I'm going to think, wow, how much time did I spend in that office? Or how much time did I spend that job? Someone else. Like, yeah. really, like, I love the company that I was at when I got ill, but like, I was expendable, man. Like, they, they stopped, you know, they stopped paying me, they put me on sick pay, which meant I couldn't, and I understand they're a business, right? But, you know, I mean, I couldn't pay my London rent. So I had to move back with my parents. So it's just, yeah, I don't like that. Like, oh, you're a good employee because you're going to take a holiday. Oh, for goodness sake. Yeah. It's like, you should definitely live your life. And with all of that said too, like, I think coming back from what you said in the beginning is sometimes just take a chance on something. It doesn't have to be like the full front of your life forever. If you start a new business, new hobby, new side hustle, it doesn't mean that like you're stepping into this and this is it for the rest of your life for the next 35 years. Like the way the internet's working, so many jobs are being created that never even existed two years ago, three years ago. You know, people have now completely changed their lives because of TikTok, being able to sell their brands or sell, you know, be a creator. And that app didn't even exist just a few years ago. So it's like, things are forever evolving. So instead of thinking of, all right, like what's my new business going to be or what am I going to do online for the rest of my life? It's like, why don't you just try things out and see where life takes you? Because you never know the direction or doors are going to open. But if you don't take that first step, you'll never actually see what it is. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And actually, before you came on, you said, um, you asked guests like, what? No, I'm just stealing. No, I'm just stealing your bit. <laughs> what like advice? And I was like, would any sort of advice? And um, I was thinking, like, I don't know why this sprung to mind, but you know how people always tell you life is short. Mm-hmm. I do agree with. I do agree with that in the sense of like, life is short. You're not going to regret that holiday. You know, you could be. This is a bit depressing. We're like, hit by bus tomorrow. So like, do that thing, wear that outfit, whatever. Yeah. But I also think life is long. And then, in like, to flip it in the sense that like try out things like we're all gonna have to be working till till like forever really like you know why not like start playing around with some side hustles or you know try living in another city or whatever like life is long like I'm seeing life more as in like chapters now yep um just because I am going to try out and living in different cities and I've had and you know every time I go back to Bali Bali's a different chapter because it's Mm -hmm. such a transient island like people come and go it's going to be very different post-pandemic um so yeah treat life like in chapters that's my profound statement (laughs) I love it and I do think you know start the side house or do something because so many people hold themselves back because they think they have to figure out one thing to completely transform or replace their income or double it And it's like, you Mm -hmm. essentially could have four or five different side hustles that you all love, little passion projects that either replace your income, double it, triple it, whatever, and allow you to have success. So it doesn't have to be like a one business, one step venture that, you know, allows you to live Mm -hmm. life you want. It could be a few different things that you do that bring in different streams of income. And then you're not solely dependent on one thing. You know, I have multiple businesses that I run and it allows me to not have to worry about if something ever happened with one, I'm screwed again. It's like you have these multiple streams of income. And even if one's bringing in 
two or three hundred dollars a month and something you love to do, it's an extra two or three, two or three hundred dollars a month to do. Yeah. So it's like just start it and do it and see where it takes you. And then if it doesn't work out, start a new side hustle. There's so many out there to do. And you know, you can do a million things. You just need to start actually taking the steps to do it. Yeah. And I agree. I think it comes back to like done is better than perfect. Like, you know, I'm really, um, I'm grateful that I actually lost a a remote contract that I had in COVID. Um, And so actually I was really grateful to have the brand um, just because it gave me purpose. You know, I was back at home living with my family in the pandemic and my, you know, my brothers are both accountants and going to work every day. And I was so grateful that I had the brand whilst I was sort of maybe looking for another contract to have a bit of purpose and throw myself into something. And look, like I said, it's shape-shifting. I'm now going into other accessories as as well. Like, I'm just going to see what works, you know, Mm -hmm. if like the linen shirts take off, perhaps Chantique goes in a new direction. Um, Jewelry's still the heartland and I love it. But I think, yeah, like I said, a lot on this podcast so far is like a lot has happened organically. Like if you're open to to trying things and letting things happen organically. Um, yeah, it can work out. Yeah, absolutely love that. So I'd love to know as one of the, you know, last questions of this is like, where do you see Chanty going? Like, what is the big vision? And, you know, where, where do you see it all kind of formulating into for, you know, your own dreams? Um, in all honesty, I'm totally still figuring it out. Um, I enjoy that that it's a, uh, I enjoy that I don't rely on it to pay for my rent. So like you said, any sales I get from it is just a lovely bonus. But saying that I really want to level it up. So in time, it could, it could be an option for me to turn down a freelance contract or it not be a problem if I don't have a more, let's say steady income. Um, and like I said before, just to, see see what works like see what resonates with people see what's lighting me up um I I love the jewelry but I was being more inspired and drawn to making clothes so that's where that took me um I think I what I do love is that the brand is so all about Bali and Indonesia and now that I've moved into other areas I'm working with more suppliers now so I'm supporting more workshops um and we also donate um for every sale to a charity out there as well so Awesome. Not creating in Indonesia would seem strange, but yeah, I think the vision for it is just to keep creating and making things that I love with Indonesian people because I just love giving back to that culture and um, supporting the people there and also just a great excuse to keep going back to Bali. Yeah. I mean, any excuse to go back is always a good one. It's a definitely yeah. a wonderful place a to be. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been so great hearing your story and kind of hearing the evolution of your brand and, you know, the lifestyle that you have now. Um, so if people want to follow you, find you, buy your jewelry, check it all out, which you guys should, where can mm-hmm. they find you at? Yeah, so we have our own website, which is um, chantiquebycamilla.com. It's spelled C-A-N-T-I-K. Uh, and very much very much all over Instagram as well. Um, like I said, we donate per sale to the amazing work of Crisis Kitchen Bali, who really stepped up and supported a lot of people who worked in the tourism industry and struggled in the pandemic um, and are still doing amazing outreach work and upskilling work. Um, and like I said, we're launching our Island Life Essentials collection this actual weekend, um, 1st of May. 
Um, so leather and rattan products, linens, sunnies, more jewels. Um, yeah, just that kind of whole island life vibe. So yeah, please do check us out. Absolutely amazing. Yes, everyone go check it out. I've seen the jewelry. It's all beautiful. So I'm sure <laughs> the new stuff's going to be amazing as well. Um, but thanks so much for coming on. It was wonderful having you. And everyone keep listening. There are more episodes coming with some amazing souls from all over the world. So see you guys later. If you are a current or aspiring digital nomad looking to connect or even learn more about this lifestyle and how to build your own dream, follow me on Instagram and send me a DM with crazy nomads so I know you come from this beautiful community on the podcast or click link below and book a free strategy session with me to discover how we can turn your passion project or skills into an online business.